Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Welcome to the Detroit Kool-Aid, everyone. This is Mike coming to you here on a Friday. It, um, recording a little early here with the holiday, so me and Derek decided to do some uh, solo shows. I'm sure Derek will listen to my show later and uh, have uh, points of view on my takes. And uh, you know, I'm sure you won't agree with everything, but that's okay. That's what we're here for. We're here to entertain. And you know, once again, reasonable minds can differ. Um, even though it's before the weekend, I did look at the weather report, and it's supposed to be, you know, relatively mild this weekend for this time of year for here in Michigan. It's going to be in the 40s. You know, there's a chance of snow Sunday night. But still, um, you know, the Lions are playing on Turkey Day, or did play on Turkey Day, if this is going to come out Friday. You know, I don't have, a obviously, a review of the game because I'm recording before that. But uh, it'll give you a chance to uh, either watch some other football this weekend or maybe put up your Christmas decorations if you haven't done that yet already. I know a lot of people have. I have, and um, it'll give you an opportunity to get in that Christmas spirit, you know, uh, you know, go out there and make yourself feel a little better with the pandemic and everything going on, you know, not being able to see your family at Thanksgiving, that could definitely help, but as always, as I always say, TGIF, thank God it's Friday. Uh, what I want to start off with today, actually, um, is the uh, play of Everson Griffin. He's actually, the last couple of weeks, he's, uh, you know, played pretty well. His first week, we, we were kind of wondering where he went, but... Uh, He's uh, really kind of balled out the last couple of weekends, shown more than uh, you know some of the defensive linemen the Lions have had. He's getting his pressures, um, getting a sack or two here and there. I believe he's one of those players that Derek's always talking about that can really get a defense hyped up. Uh, I realize that he's pretty new here, but I think he's got to be one of those guys that comes in here and starts to hold guys accountable um, for what they do. You know, either I don't want to say for not playing hard. I'm sure everybody is playing hard. But uh, still, you know, make them hold a, be held a little more accountable for how they are playing. I'm really impressed. I mean, uh, what he's done the last couple of weeks, I realized that, uh, you know, one week was a W and uh, Carolina was a loss. But still, he he's probably playing uh, some of the best football on that defense that we've seen all, all year. And he's only been around for a few weeks. So I'm liking that signing. Um also, I mean, with Trey Flowers, maybe he'd come back. You know, Derek mentioned it before, pairing those two up, looking to maybe get a couple bookends that the Lions haven't had probably since Robert Porsche and Tracy Scroggins. But still, that could be one of those things where, look, because the Lions, once again, have had a little trouble getting pressure on the quarterback, having those two guys on there, that could uh, definitely help, especially where, where the Lions are right now. You know, they're still in the playoff push, but... Uh, We'll see what we'll see what happens. What's going through? You know, Minnesota's lost lately. The Bears, you know, they're not that great. Uh, even the Packers, you know, they're they're they look like the best team in the division, but still, they're not that great. So, 
for the Lions, they, they really need to, you know, have those guys on the defensive line to help them, you know, try to make that push. And uh, with that, with uh, Okwara, who's once again, Derek, having a little better year, you know, I still think it's kind of an anomaly. I'm not going to want to base my whole defense around this guy or, you know, he, he's, an, he's a nice spot player, you know. But uh, those three in a rotation, I think they could really get some pressure on, on, the, on the quarterbacks, and that's something they would definitely need to do if the Lions look to make any hay this year and make that uh, final playoff push that uh, we're all hoping for. Um, next thing I want to talk about was Stafford's thumb injury. and We all saw the wrap that he wore on his hand for the game. And uh, he said it, it was fine, you know, and you know, he, he said it felt okay. I know listening to the Carolina game, Chris Spielman said every time, you know, get hurt, you know, every time he gets hit, you know, with the football, it, it does hurt. It is, it is painful, but it was something that Stafford played through. Um, I think they, uh, it looks like they went, I, I kind of thought maybe they would do that. They'd maybe go a little conservative early on, a little, you know, dump passes here and there, maybe try to protect them. But um, at, at one point where the, Carolina was just too far out in front. Obviously, Stafford was dropping back all the time, and and Carolina was just pinning their ears back and coming after him. That was probably the best defensive game Carolina's played all year. Stafford was always under pressure. So even some of those throws, you know, the best throw he had all game was that 51-yard touchdown to Marvin Jones that was called back because um, Jones lined up, you know, incorrectly, you know, on the flea flicker play. So that was big. I mean, I know it showed – you know, in the stat, that was only one penalty for five years, five yards. But uh, you know, it took a touchdown off the board and really changed momentum right there. You know, that that would have got the Lions back into the game. You know, obviously would have you know pumped up that offense a little more because they were really struggling at that time. And it was one of those plays that we're always looking for for them to go out and be able to do to um, you know get that offense rolling. And you know, that was one of those plays. Marvin Jones, he you know fought the defensive back for the ball and was able to um come you know you know make the catch and. But still, I mean, one penalty for five yards, taking taking off a 51-yard touchdown strike, that's that's a pretty rough thing to to go through. So it makes you kind of wonder at that point, you know, you know Stafford, you know, when he's dropping back time after time after that, you know, sure he's probably just in his mind thinking, you know, he's going to play the same way, you know, that he always does. But you know, maybe I don't want to say babies that handle a little more, doesn't want to, you know, take him take that chance, you know, throwing the ball. You know, maybe there wasn't as much zip, you know, on some of his other passes. I know some of the there were some drops in that game as well. You know, ball went through right through Agnew's hands, ball went through, you know, Hawkinson's hands as well. But still, I don't think it was he he looked that bad per se. I mean his numbers you know weren't great. But uh he didn't have all these miss throws and stuff that we've seen in the past when he's injured his hand and uh people are like, Oh, it's his hand, it's his hand. He he didn't have a lot of miss throws, uh you know, there's just, you know, defense made plays on some, knocking the ball down. Like I said, there were a few drops, and, you know, just things happened that led to his poor numbers right there. Still, I mean, the offense was a little stagnant, and I think they, I think Daryl Bevel kind of went conservative on that, trying to establish a run game more with Adrian Peterson and Kerryon Johnson with DeAndre Swift out, maybe just trying to protect him a little more. But like I said, once um the defense, you know, started to crack and, you know, the Carolina was scoring. Detroit just had to drop back and throw the ball. And at that point, Stafford just seemed to be under pressure getting hit almost like every time he dropped back. So at this point in the season, I mean, I know, like I said, we're all hoping for that playoff push and, you know, just, you know, see if they can get in that. But one of those things like at this point, you know, if, 
you know, is there a point maybe you think about once again sentence down, sentence down Stafford with his injury? You know, hopefully it doesn't get any worse. I know that uh, you know Stafford wants to go out there and play, but um, you know, keep him healthy. I know some people are ready to move on from him. They've been ready to move on. If you just set him down the rest of the year, I, I think his toughness. Everybody kind of knows it, so. Send him down, get him healthy. Maybe if the Lions are looking to trade him in the off season for something, it can do that as opposed to going out there, you know, and it, it becomes worse where, you know, the thumb is just too bad. They don't have a young quarterback to go out there to try to groom. I mean, Chase Daniels, the, the backup. And it's everything that Lions fans are, you know, not wanting to see. We all saw when Stafford left last year what happened to the team. And I'm assuming that's probably what would happen again if Stafford was to be pulled. But at this point, you have to make the decision: do you try to make the playoffs, or do you just try to tank out to uh, get the uh, get the best draft pick you can? You know, everybody knows how I feel about it. No matter what, I always want the Lions to win, no matter if it hurts their draft stock or not. But I think you kind of have to consider at this point, you know, setting down Stafford, you know, just just to protect his hand, you know, not to do any further damage to it. I mean. Just even if you're looking to trade him in the off season, let him get healthy. That way, people, other teams know that he is healthy. If they are willing to make a deal, you may be able to get a little more for the guy. Um, another thing I want to touch base on was obviously the Swift concussion, and that's one of those things where uh, it was kind of downplayed, and you didn't hear anything about it going into the Carolina game. You know, it was just a you know everybody said you know brain injury. Yeah, I heard that, but once again, that's you know concussion. And it kind of plays into that uh, thing we were chanting about Carrion Johnson. You know, is it is there a point where you know let let him sit? You know, the rest of, like especially when he was a rookie when he got injured. And I was like, well, the more carries he gets, the better. You know, even if it's late in the season, it's only going to help his development. Um, with uh, Swift, I guess I feel a little different. I think he's shown what he can do. I think he's obviously shown he's the best running back on the team at this point for what he can do. And you know, catching the ball, running the ball, his quicks. Um, he obviously he doesn't go in on passing down, so his his uh, pass blocking, you know, picking up blitzes that might need a little work, and that's what they use Carryon Johnson for. But still, I mean, everything else that he does. Once again, at this point, you know, concussions we all know you get one, and it seems to be everybody says it's it's always pretty easy to get another one. At this, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I would like to see him back out there to, you know, get some more snaps. I mean, once again, it, it can only, you know, help him as a rookie to develop even more. But, you know, one, this could be the guy, the best running back on the team, you know, since everybody says, you know, old number 20, old Barry Sanders. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I, mean, I guess I'm just kind of torn. I mean, I'd like to know how you guys feel. You know, so hit me up on Twitter at, at DKC, or feel free to call and text into the line at 989 two seven two three four eight four for what your opinion is on that because i'd just like to know what you guys think if you know if you guys would set swift at this point just uh you know make sure he doesn't get another concussion the rest of the year or you know get him out there get him as many snaps as he can it can only help his development because I'd, I'd really like to know how you guys feel about that because this guy could be something special and and i know the uh the rate of um was it like roughly what three years is the lifespan of a running back in the NFL, and you know obviously concussions are a bad thing and they 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 shelf people pretty quick. I mean we all saw what happened to Javid Best, but we all know we all saw that his his video of him getting concussed at Cal, where where he hit the he was a, a stiff as a board before he even hit the ground. So 
that one was a little different. I mean, every concussion is bad, and having you know them pile up is not a good thing. So, I don't know. I think right now, if if he's healthy, I would like to see Swift back out there, no matter where they are at, where the lines are at in the playoff push. If they're looking just to get him as many snaps as possible, that that's I, I would like to really see him out there, and just to it can only help his development. Even if you're looking to try to maybe get him some more snaps to you know passing downs you know open up the playbook even more let him see a little more defenses you know so he knows what he's looking at you know when he's out there I'm sure he watches plenty of tape you know he did in college as well but you know obviously the pros is a little different you know everybody says running back is probably the easiest spot to transition to into the pros but still learning what defenses are doing where they're at what they're looking to do what what they're looking to do to take you out of the game and it can help him just to get as many snaps as possible. But once again, it's just those concussions thing, they're, they're hard to do. And, um, you know, I don't want to say running backs are easily replaceable, but still, I mean, this guy could be something special, but I would really like to see him on the field as much as possible for Detroit, you know, until the end of the year. Okay. Um, that's what I got here. I just want to take a little break. Um, I know, uh, We've been going adless, but uh, I know Derek. He does this other podcast. He does the Believe in Lions podcast. It's a great thing that he does. Um, he does it with you know Lions great Benny Blades. Listen to Benny Blades stories. Listen to Benny and Derek. You know, do the little banter back and forth. It's very enjoyable. So Derek has a little spot here for you guys to listen to. Um, once again, it's the Believe in Lions podcast. You can find it on many uh, on many platforms. So uh, here's that, and I'll be right back to uh, finish the show. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? This is your host, Derek Oakry of the Detroit Kool-Aid Cast, and this is normally where I tell you about some of our great sponsors, but today I want to tell you about my other Lions podcast. It's called Believe in Lions, and that's spelled B-L-E-A-V on the Believe Podcasting Network with both myself and Lions legendary safety, Benny Blades. Yeah, you know who he is. The hard-hitting safety, Benny Blades, played for the Lions. He also played for... The U, you know what it is, the University of Miami, those Miami Hurricanes. He mentions it multiple times the show. Benny loves to talk about his Hurricanes, his Lions, and I love to play this soundbite on the show. We have a ton of fun on that show. We laugh, we joke, we talk Lions. Like I said, he brings up the Hurricanes. I talk about my Michigan Wolverines. Um, it's, it's a really fun show. Benny loves the Lions. He tells great stories from his playing days as well as uh, we're just rooting on this team. We B-L-E-A-V in the Lions. So please go ahead, find it on your favorite podcast platform. Hit that subscribe button and check it out. Share it with a friend. We really appreciate it. So check out Believe, B-L-E-A-V in Lions with myself and Benny Blades. Thank you guys so much. Okay, welcome back everybody. Once again, this is Griff coming to you on a Friday, a busy holiday week that uh, me and Derek decided to do some uh, solo shows here. Uh, once again, if you like what you hear, give um, you know, give us a, um, a subscribe. You know, give us a uh, 
positive review also. It can only help us as we're going forward. I mean, me and Derek really enjoy doing this. I know it sounds like we're getting these knockdown dragouts every once in a while, man, but there's much love for Derek. We've been friends a long time, and we just know in the end it's just a... Uh, you know, it's just us having our, our, our disagreements about how we how we feel about our Lions. Um, I know that he's getting a little frustrated with him as well. But uh, I know deep down, I mean, we're both big fans of the team. Uh, once again, hit us up on Twitter. You know, it's at Derek Oakery you know, or, you know, at Grifka DKC. Once again, we have the call in line. Feel free to call and text at uh, 989-272-3484. Once again, that's 989-272-3484. Uh, once again, if, um, leave us something. You know, we'll get your name and get you on the show. If you have any questions, we'll answer them for you. Okay, on the back half of the show here, um, it seems like the, obviously the major groundswell is. I mean, it's been this way for a little bit. Um, is the hot seat of Matt Patricia? You know, he has a win. He seems to and seems to tone down a little bit. He has a loss. You know, especially some of the losses where that have looked pretty brutal and seems to heat right back up again. So. Um, I was going through thinking of some of the names of the possible candidates if Matt Patricia is fired. Um, number of names out there. Some people like, you know, other coordinators. I, I don't know about retreads, anything like that, college ones. So I have a list of names here. I'll give you a little bit of a take on each one on how you may feel. Once again, if you have your own thought of who might be able to replace Matt Patricia, get this thing turned around, going in the right direction, you know, hit it up on Twitter, you know, at Derek Oker or at Grifka DKC, and we'll be able to uh, respond, you know, see what you think, or once again, call or text on the line, you know, um, let's just take a flurry of names, you know, and me and Derek will give our thought process on each one. Uh, if there's a name um, out there that I don't mention, feel free to add it, because, um, once again, I'm only I'm only doing a few names here and trying to give my uh, opinion on these people and uh, where they think they might be able to take the team. Um, first one I'd like to talk about is what Robert Salah. He's the defense coordinator at uh, for San Francisco. Uh, this guy's um, had a major uh, groundswell. In what what he's did with San Francisco's defense. Um, there's points where I believe San there's I mean like every defense in the NFL they have their good games and they have their bad games, but um, I think he's really turned around that San Francisco defense from where it was. Um, I think he'd be real talented. We have a defense, co- uh, you know, defensive-minded coach right now. Um, these guys do a little different defenses. Once again, we we've, we've seen what uh, Matt Patricia kind of believes in. What he, you know, you know, have the de- have the defensive backs cover as much as possible. The uh, bigger linebackers. Maybe not as fleet of foot, and it just doesn't seem like they put as much stock in the pass rush. Um, I think that's where um, you know Robert Salah is different. Uh, I believe I, uh, it seems like his defenses have plenty of speed. Uh, obviously, they have Bosa out there on the defensive line. They're looking for those you know quick linemen to be able to you know put as much pressure as possible on on the quarterback. And, and let's face it, um, you know. At one point, we were all talking prior to the season that maybe this division could have been the best one in the NFL. But it's looking right now, you know, obviously the NFC West is, you know, you know, a really good division, and a lot of good teams out there. And his defense, you know, for the 49ers defense is hanging out there. So, what could he do? You know, coming here to Detroit, you know, changing the mindset. You know, obviously bringing in a different scheme, maybe one that attacks more than what. You know the current regime does looking for more speed on um, on the defensive side of the ball. I know watching the Carolina game, it seemed like 
Detroit's defense to Carolina's defense, and I realized Carolina's defense was ranked, you know, was in the bottom third in a lot of a lot of categories. But gosh, that team speed they seem to have on the defense, they seem to be, you know, everywhere on the field. And I think that's what Detroit could use, and I believe that's what uh, Robert Salah would bring to this team, is, um, you know, trying to get a fast defense, fast attacking defense. It seems like since I've been watching the Lions, they play a lot of bend-don't-break. And my problem is generally with bend-don't-break, they generally break at some point, and they start to, it just becomes, you know, a flood of points where they just can't stop. And... I think they need that attacking defense that's always looking to put pressure, you know, on the quarterback, not make them comfortable. Because, you know, let's face it, you make a quarterback move, you know, get them looking at the pass rush. It, it obviously makes them uncomfortable, makes them, you know, easy, easier to get off his game and uh, lead to better opportunities for, you know, turnovers. And that's something, another thing that the Lions struggle with is, is turnovers. So he's one coach candidate. Would I like him or not like him? I know one of those things that Derek always, you know, kind of says is that those guys they haven't they haven't had to call a game yet, but let's face it, he's the defensive coordinator out there. He's the one making the calls, so I would have to say that he's he's not taking he's not he's not taking any points of view. I don't want to say he's taking points of view, but he's not taking any pointers from the head coach. I mean, we all know Kyle Shanahan was an offensive-minded coach, offense coordinator, so. He's out there running the defense himself. So I know one of those things I always say is that, you know, Matt Patricia was under Bill Belichick, and it was always Bill Belichick's defense at his scheme. You run what I want. You know, that this is what I want you to do. You know, I still think a lot of times Bill Belichick was calling it making that scheme up. But um, Salah is obviously the one doing it out in San Francisco. So, honestly, I don't think this would be that bad of a coaching hire. But we've also seen a lot of defensive-minded co- you know, coaches kind of fall out. I mean, we've, we've had some here. Besides Matt Patricia, we had Jim Schwartz. That guy was a defensive-minded coach. I mean, I know at one point I really wanted Steve Spagnola. That guy was a defensive-minded coach, and he, he like, bottomed out. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't think this one would be a bad hire at all. Another one is uh, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator out at uh, Kansas City. Uh, I know he, this guy gets interviewed with every open coaching position, and for some odd reason, he's just not getting the the job. I, I don't know what it is. Um, I was chatting with uh, Eric Bieniemy with a friend uh, with a friend the other day, and he goes, "Let's face it, he's not the one calling the offense out there. It's Andy Reid's offense. He's the one just kind of covering practices. Andy Reid's checking out some of the defense. It's still Andy Reid's game plan. It's still Andy Reid pretty much calling the plays. Eric Bieniemy's just kind of there as." You know, I don't want to say for show, but it's it's Andy Reid's offense, and I guess I guess with that, I I, I can see his point. You know, it, it seems like that happens a lot. You know, a head coach that's an offensive minded head coach. I mean, Mike McCarthy did it in, in Green Bay. Mike Holmgren did it in Green Bay as well. He went out to Seattle, tried to you know give a little bit of I don't want to say of, of of the coordinating position to somebody else, and ultimately took it back over. Um, those offensive minded coaches, if it's their scheme, they really like to control it. So. Um, on this one with Eric Bieniemy, I don't know what what he could bring. Is the offense? It has its hits or misses now, where it looks, you know, where it's just marching up and down the field, and then it'll um, get all conservative when it has some points. But uh, let's face it, you know, Kansas City's good because they got Pat Mahomes and they got like wide receivers that can, you know, just pretty much, you know, run by everybody. I mean, they're good, and they got they got they got a great offensive line. They got a you know you know good running backs, you know, a great tight end, and um. So it's one of those things, like I said, they got Pat Mahomes. The guy's a hell of an athlete, and this guy can make all the throws. I mean, we, we've we all seen him. 
so that, that that's a big thing. You know, does Detroit have that? I mean, Matt Stafford can make all the throws when healthy. Do they have wide receivers that can run by people? Not really. I mean, we all said it before that they do have trouble. Their wide receivers getting separation. Even Kenny Galladay, he does, he he does, you know, make some spectacular catches, but he does have some trouble getting separations. Hawkinson is not, you know, Travis Kelsey. Um, you know, everybody thinks he's ascending, but still, I mean, he has a ways to go to get there. And the running backs have Swift, and uh, the guy can catch the ball, he can run the ball, and you know, carry on Johnson's still here too. So, I mean, are they on par with Kansas City's running backs? I mean, you could you can make the argument that they are. But still, I mean, I don't. Would he bring in a different style? Maybe a more run and gun, put the points up on the board. Um, I don't want to say they play in like Kansas City plays kind of in the same you know type of weather that Detroit would play in. Um, yeah, it's like Kansas City has its bad weather games as well. They play in Denver as well. I mean, in the Rams and now Las Vegas. I mean, so those teams are more of your. Detroit and Minnesota that have the dome teams and then your bad weather teams, you know, Chicago and Green Bay. So Eric Bannemi would know how to adjust the game plan according to the weather. So would I like this hire? Um, gosh, I'm kind of shying away from it. And I know everybody's going to point to Doug Peterson, what he did in Philadelphia. But, I mean, Philadelphia, they've struggled as well on offense. They always seem to... I don't know, they always seem to be signing like every running back that they can, and they still don't have a great running game. Um, Carson Wentz, you know, he's I still think he can be a good quarterback. But it's one of those things where Eric Bieniemy, I'm sure he, maybe maybe he, he might be a good coach, but I'd, I'd like to shy away from this one because I still think it's Andy Reid's offense there. Um, another one, Kevin O'Connell, he's the Rams offensive coordinator. This is another one where the Rams have, you know, Jared Goff, um, He's a good, not great quarterback. Um, you know, got a good running back. They got, you know, fast wide receivers, you know, shifty wide receivers. So this is another one, though, where you play in the West. I mean, I guess you could call Seattle the bad weather game there. You know, San Francisco, I mean, they, they get they get rain there. But still, you know, they have Arizona and, and themselves as well. So it seemed like at one point anybody who had talked to McVay, you know, he was. They were, they were looking to put this guy. You know, you know, if you, you had a cup of coffee with him, you know, okay, okay, you can be our coach. But this is another one where you know Kevin O'Connell. I would, I, I would kind of like to shy away from that. I think, you know, it's one of those things where I don't really know if he's the one calling the offense. You know, it's. I think it might be you know, McVay's offense, and he's the one doing it, and he's just the one kind of O'Connell's the one just kind of guard, you know, watching it as McVay's doing other stuff, you know, making sure the rest of the team is in, in order. So this would be another one I would kind of shy away from right now, and um, hopefully, uh, you know, I'm not saying he he might never get his spot his shot, but I just don't think he's the right guy for Detroit. Um, then this guy, I mean, for some, this guy's name has come up a few different times. That's Kellen Moore, uh, Dallas's offense coordinator. Uh, this is another one where he's, you know, shown some stuff. It's like, wow, look at this offense. Look what he's done with Dak Prescott. You know, this, you know, Dak Prescott's around the ball. They had, you know, Zeke Elliott. They got great wide receivers. Dallas's offensive line has, you know, been a little banged up and hurt this year. So they're, they're not as good, you know, throwing up the points. But, uh, once again, I believe, 
Kellen Moore. He's just another one of those kind of figureheads. Mike McCarthy's down there. Mike McCarthy is a – let's face it, man. He coached in Green Bay for years. The guy's a control freak. The guy likes to, you know, be the one to call the offense. He struggled giving it up in Green Bay. So I highly doubt he's not the one calling the plays down there. It's his offense down there. And people are all like, oh, look at his offense. It's terrible down here. They didn't score. Well, you know, I know a lot of people think Dak Prescott's good. I know a lot of people don't that think Dak Prescott's not that great. But let's face it, their offensive line is toast this year. And uh, it, it's hard to do a whole lot when your offensive line is, is that banged up and beat up. So, once again, Kellen Moore, I he might get a shot at some point. Maybe, you know, I'm naming off all these guys saying, hey, stay away from them. I don't think they're the ones calling the offense. I think it's the offensive, you know, I think it's the head coach. It's their offense. And maybe they turn out to be, you know, John Gruden or something like that. Or or maybe Andy Reid and, you know, and it's like, Mike, what were you talking about? Look, you missed on this guy. You know, so I just don't think they're the right guy for the job here. There's going to be too much turnover. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, I think these quarter these offense coordinators are going to want their own quarterback. So, I mean, if you're fine walking away from Matt Stafford, bringing you know drafting one or bringing in another young quarterback to take his place, and you know these guys are going to want to you know mold their quarterback. And we've we've seen it. You know, there's some good young quarterbacks, and there's some quarterbacks you just kind of you know, that are young and just like, gosh, this this guy wasn't the right pick, or this guy's not developing like we thought he would, or that's why I don't want an offensive coordinator because you're right. It might be time to move on from Matt Stafford and they're going to want to bring in their own guy, but rookie quarterbacks are really hit or miss, especially if you don't have some talent put around them. And it just seems like at this point, the talent, you know, there's, they have a good running back, they have a good tight end, but their wide receiving core could be decimated. The Lions wide receiving core could be decimated after this year. And if you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback and have a bunch of young wide receivers out there with the only staples are, you know, your tight end and your running back, that would be, that's going to be awful hard for that guy to develop and, you know, could really shake his confidence. So I don't want any offense coordinators right now that are the head coaches were former offense coordinators simply because, I just don't think it's their offense. They're not the ones calling it. It's still the head coach. So I would say no on Bienemy, O'Connell, and Moore, and Robert Salah. I'm, I, I would, I'd be okay with right now. And um, that's how I feel about offense coordinators and defense coordinators in the pros right now. Once again, if I miss anybody, you're like, hey, why don't we try this guy? You know, hit me up on Twitter at GrifkaDKC. Or uh, call the call the line at uh, 989-272-3484 and let me know what you think. Um, and as always, I mean, there's always the coaching ranks to college. We just saw Matt Rule down in uh, Carolina's first year had its ups and downs down in Carolina. And I know me and Derek talked about that on one of the last week's shows. Um, you know, those guys, they got a little more... I don't know, they got a little more, uh, you know, rope to play with that they can go out there and kind of do what they want as, um, you know, as that rookie head coach coming from college. No, I have to hand it to you. A lot of people are like, oh, Matt Rule, what's he done? Well, Matt Rule, you know, turned around a Temple program, and Temple's not really known for, you know, having great football programs. I mean, they they were a good team when he was there. Then he went to Baylor, and Baylor's another one of those teams that's just like they don't have an awesome football tradition that when you think of the old those Texas universities or the old Southwest Conference of, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, you know, those, those teams. But still, you know, Matt Rule did some stuff out at the University of Baylor, you know, with his offense. So, I you know, it's one of those guys, I mean, he, he can coach, and 
I, you could always point to, you know, say somebody like a Graciano as well. Well, look what he did at Rutgers. I mean, actually, Rutgers is playing a lot tougher this year than they have in most years. So why not him again? Well, we all saw him in the pros. I believe he's one of those old school coaches. Um, the, and I think the old school rah-rah coach works a little better in college than it does in the pros. I mean, once again, in the pros, you're dealing with grown men. Everyone can say, well, look at Pete Carroll. Well, yeah, Pete Carroll, I think when he, even when he got to the pros, he toned, toned it down a little bit. I mean, him, you know, coaching with the Jets and coaching with New England before going back to USC, you know, having his success up there before going up north. So I think even you know, Pete Carroll, you know, at least kind of knew how to handle pro players a little bit. Um, having your strict rah-rah coaches, you know, old school, you know, you know, ground and pound, blood and guts, you know, coaches that you see. I think that's what Greg Schiano is. And I think his game works a lot. I think his coaching style works a lot better in, in, in college than it does in the pros. But obviously somebody like Matt Rule, I think the guy's more, you know, has a more offensive mind, you know, willing to take more chances. And that's what he need, he needed to do on that young Carolina team. So if you're looking to move on, take a college coach. Um, there's always the coaching candidates out there. I know one that always comes up, and that's Lincoln Riley at the University of Oklahoma. Um, the way I kind of feel about Lincoln Riley is his offense, once again. I mean, he's had guys there that, you know, everybody's liked. I mean, Kyler Murray's, you know, out there right now. I mean, one of Derek's favorite, Baker Mayfield, is out, you know, in Cleveland. But I still think Baker Mayfield's terrible. But uh, his offense is one of those, you know, kind of pass around and go. I guess the way I kind of feel about Lincoln Riley is his Oklahoma team, it's one of those teams that it's always the best team in the division. It's always got the most talent on. So he's one of those guys that's just always just kind of beaten up on, you know, worst teams. Come on, let's face it, the teams are in the, in, in that Lincoln Riley and Oklahoma take on. I mean, they're not that great. I mean, Kansas, you know, Kansas State has its ups and down years, you know. Texas seems to be coming back a little more, and that's always the rivalry game, the Red River. So no matter how good, good or bad Texas is, that seems to always be a close game. But there's there's Texas Tech; they're always like really hit or miss, and you know it, it just seems like he he spends a lot of time beating up on on bad teams. Even so, I don't know how I feel about Lincoln Riley. You know, coming in here, I don't know if his definitely be an offense and might be the guy to just chuck it around that the lines are always looking for, you know, going back to the old run and shoot, you know, throw it as much as possible. They have a running back. I mean, Oklahoma, you know, Detroit has running backs. Oklahoma seems to always have decent running backs. Um, It seems like Oklahoma always uses those fast wide receivers. Detroit, you know, might be, you know, might not have those exact wide receivers that they're looking for. Might have to get some more speed out there for Lincoln Riley's offense, but still um, um, out of the college coaches, you know, that have been down there, I don't think this would be a terrible hire simply because it's he's got that offensive mind and if you're looking for something innovative one where I think ultimately I don't think you can have that running quarterback in the pros it always seems ultimately a running quarterback you know you know has you know a good couple of years but then you're figured out you know and um teams don't want to spend so much money on a quarterback that's out there scrambling running around you know looking to be the, the ultimate running quarterback because th- those guys seem to get hurt so if if that's what he's looking for I don't think Lincoln Riley has that where his guys got to take off and run all the time he doesn't run that type of offense so this could be the one that just you know could be that guy that's just looking to spread around and go so I don't think I, w- I would hate this hire I guess I would just have to see what type of offense he'd bring here and, you know, throw it around. But uh, I think for defense, he would definitely need one of those 
defense, those old salty defense coordinators to, um, you know, guide that defense that would know what it's doing because I don't think Lincoln Riley would have to be, I don't think he could be as hands-on with the defense. He would, he would have to be spending his time installing his offense. So I think he would need a defense, a strong defense coordinator to really handle the Lions defense. Uh, another name, I mean, he's out there is Dabo Sweeney. Everybody keeps saying he's going to Jacksonville or, you know, some team, whichever team gets the number one pick, you know, he's going to go there because they're going to take Trevor Lawrence and just going to be the head coach and the quarterback going back again. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, he turned around the Clemson program. I mean, Clemson was one of those teams that was always kind of one of those up-and-down teams. They'd have a good couple years, and then they'd be back to the middle of the pack, and then, you know, you know, back up a couple good years, and, you know, back to the middle of the pack. But he's really turned around. They're obviously perennial, you know, playoff contenders, great teams, great offenses. Um, you know, defense, you know, seems to be, you know, really, really good under Will Venables as well. So bringing him to the pros, I, I don't know. This it seems like another one where Clemson's in one of those conferences where there might be like one or two other good, decent teams, and then everybody else is just cannon fodder where they're just going to go roll up on everybody. Um, so everybody's going to be, well, look, they lost to Notre Dame this year, and, well, Notre Dame's the, it's the only time they're really playing in, in the conference, even though they have that deal where they play, what, five teams from the ACC every year. But still, it's one of those things where I don't think I'd be too keen on Dabu Sweeney. I could be wrong. Everybody's like, well, look what he's done at Clemson. I, I think he's going to be one of those guys. I think he's too much of that rah-rah coach. That's what he always seems like, um, which is fine. You know, some people want that. Some people want to see emotion out of, out of their uh, out of the coach on the sideline, um, as opposed to what Matt Patricia kind of does right now. It's just very, you know. He's stoic and stagnant, and he's never, you never know what, what he is. But I think at some point, showing some emotion on the sideline is fine. But, um, you know, you can never get too high or too low. So, But I think Dabo Sweeney is one of those guys that, you know, he, I think he has a wide wide range of emotions. But some people want to see that. I, I don't think that works very well in the pro game. So Dabo Sweeney, I, I would say no on him. And last but not least, everybody's favorite, you know, Jim Harbaugh. This one keeps coming up, you know. It's like everybody's like he's walking away. He's going to walk away from Michigan. You know, Michigan doesn't want him back after this year. And it's all been heard before that when he goes to the pros, he kind of wears out his welcome with players. And they they grow tired of him within, you know, the first three, four years. So, you know, he's a tough-minded coach. He's the old salty coach. I think he could turn the team around, but I think he would just wear out his welcome relatively fast. And I think the Lions would be looking for a new coach, you know, after in you know, in their five years. And that's not really what we want as Lions fans. We we want a coach that's going to be here for a bit, you know, and turn this team into, you know, one of those perennial in the playoff hunt teams. Not always like just kind of hoping and praying. It's just like if everything breaks right, we got, you know, we got this. And I know it takes a lot to win in the, you know, win games in the NFL. I realize that. But um, having a coach who's going to have his, his, his welcome worn out within the first, you know, three, four years, that, that's not what we're looking for here. So Jim Harbaugh, you know, I was really excited when he got hired in at Michigan, but it seems like the team's kind of, you know, turned its back on you at the University of Michigan. I'd have to say no here, simply from, you know, what I've heard, what I've read. I just I just don't think that that'd be the guy I want. So once again, if you have anybody else on any college coach that you may be interested, hit me up on Twitter at DKC, and I'd like to hear it. Um, 
other than that, if it was out of the three college coaches, I think Lincoln Riley would probably be the one I'd want to go with, even though I wouldn't be completely sold, you know, pining for this guy for him to come here to coach the Lions. So um, that's what I got there. You know, once again, just trying to drink the Kool-Aid. I'm, you know, not one of those things where you know, I, I want to see Matt Patricia, you know, canned. I, I wish the team was better. It just doesn't seem to be working out right now. It, the team just doesn't seem to be where it needs to be. And I do believe it is time to move on. And I'm sure Sheila Ford Hamp will do her due diligence in trying to find a, find the right coach. Um, even if Bob Quinn, if he's still here or not, nobody you know really can't tell if um, if Bob Quinn and uh, Matt Patricia are a package deal or not. I would have to say they are tied together. So I think if Matt Patricia goes, Bob Quinn's gone as well. So um, that's how I feel. I appreciate everybody listening. You know, um, you know everybody. You know, I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving and it'll be a nice weekend to uh, put your Christmas decorations up, get in the Christmas spirit. So other than that, everybody drink it in, man, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week. I'm out. Drink it in, man.